Origins of the Holy Kabbalah, the Tree of Life, by Ian Broadmoor. Newton, Jung, Freud, Shakespeare, Blake, Pythagoras. What do these great minds all have in common? These great minds have all studied the hidden mysteries of the Kabbalah. So, what is it all about, this mysterious religion, which is an offshoot of Judaism? I hope to demolish a few myths and confront a few preconceived ideas about what Kabbalah is and what it isn't. The Holy Kabbalah, which is sometimes spelled C-A-B-B-A-L-H or Q-A-B-B-A-L-A-H or abbreviated to Q-B-L, means to receive and is based on the Torah or the law. It was traditionally passed from mouth to ear and it was said that one could not learn the Kabbalah until you were 40 years of age as the rabbis considered you would not be spiritually mature or worldly wise enough to comprehend its deep mysteries until you had experienced life little in all its facets. Let's start with what it isn't. You don't need a red string bracelet or a protection necklace or blessed water to study Kabbalah, nor despite popular belief do you need to be Jewish. Kabbalah is in fact universal by nature and open to all faiths. It is a universal teaching given by God to man. It is a divine system of universal wisdom which relates to man and his place in the cosmos and it explains creation, life, death and the rules of existence. It is a unique way of understanding ourselves and a blueprint for personal and spiritual transformation based upon a map of consciousness known as the tree of life. Although it can be taught and learnt intellectually, it must be experienced. Its emphasis is on individual experience. Kabbalah is a spiritual science that teaches us the way things should be in the world and allows us to extend ourselves beyond the standard routine of our everyday lives so that we become aware of the bigger picture of creation. Students of Kabbalah perceive everything that happens in the world in a different manner than everybody else. They understand at a deeper level the global processes working on us because they are connected to the source of these processes, the divine. The Kabbalah made its first known appearance in written form in a holy book known as the Sefer Yetzirah or the Book of Formation. Though traditionally the much older oral tradition is set to date back to Abraham or even earlier the Sefer Yitzira is a relatively short treatise explaining the basic structure of the Kabbalah and how creation came about out of the Ein Sof, or nothingness from the Absolute, via 32 hidden paths of wisdom. The 10 Sephiroth, Numbers, Emanations or Sifara, and the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It is attributed to Rabbi Akiva, but its exact date is unknown. The Sefer Yetzira was attributed as the origin of later branches of Kabbalistic thought, which used letter permutations and the tree of life as subjects for meditation and contemplation. During the 6th century, a form of Kabbalah emerged called Makaba mysticism, or Mashe Makaba, which means Tales of the Chariot. The purpose of those who seek was to achieve direct experience of the divine, 
by concentrating on a series of images that show the Hecalot, which are the heavenly palaces, leading to the throne of God. Rabbi Akiva was a role model for all seekers who travelled the path. History said that he and three of his companions entered the garden, which means that they practised this highly disciplined form of meditation. They became known as Makava riders or chariot riders. However, one rabbi died in the effort, another went mad, and the third one became an apostate. The lesson that was imparted by the rabbi and all teachers of the Makava is to be like a kiva and not separate the life of the divine from the life of everyday existence. In 917, what was to become known as early Germanic or early Hasidism began in Italy with Aaron ben Samuel. This had its roots in the earlier macabre mysticism. Its emphasis on the magical power of words fueled the development of the Kabbalistic te techniques of Gematria, which is the numerical value of letters and words, Noctarion, the study of the first and last letter of the words, and Tamura, the study of the permutation and combination of letters. The pre-eminent form of Jewish mysticism, sometimes referred to as classical Kabbalah, began in France in the 13th century, but it flourished in Toledo in medieval Spain. It contains elements of both Gnosticism and Neoplatonism, and is more concerned with the nature and structure of all creation, from the divine to the material worlds, than with ecstatic mystical experience. These early Kabbalists used a compendium of the Hebrew alphabet and the Sephira of the Tree of Life, together with meditation on the Tetragrammatron, which is the four-letter name of God, composed from the letters Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, with colours and deep breathing techniques to achieve a deep meditative state of consciousness. From this, the modern Kabbalah we know today was born. In 1280, Moses de Leon, a Spanish Kabbalist, fused the ancient and modern together in a treatise called the Zohar, Sefir HaZohar, or Book of Splendour. It was written by de Leon, but attributed to a 2nd century rabbi, Simeon bar Yohel. This deals with the ten sephirah or spheres, emanating from the ineffable infinite Ensof, which is God, through which the universe is created and maintained. The mutual interaction of these sephirah and their individual natures are seen both as expressing the nature of divinity and as archetypes for all creation. The Bahia, the Book of Form Illumination, is the third important Kabbalistic text, appearing in France around the 11th century. The expulsion of Jews from Spain in 1492 served to spread the Spanish Kabbalah further into Europe. The next milestone was with the advent of Lurianic Kabbalah, named after its originator Isaac Luria Ashkenazi, 1534-1572. In this, the Ainsof contracts for a process called Zimzum, pronounced phonetically Zimzum but spelt T-Z-I-M-T-Z-U-M, at the start of creation to allow room for divine expansion. It describes God's projection and concentration of his divine presence, his Shekinah, at a single point. This voluntary contraction on the part of God, the Ainsof in this case, 
is the act which causes creation to come into existence. Without this act, there would be no universe. Because Ensof was limitless in all things and all places, a plenum of divinity, it was necessary that a primordial space be established. It was therefore that the Ainsaf's first creative act being withdrawal or contraction into himself. In so doing, it permitted to come into being the primordial space which was necessarily for the creation of the finite world. But the space created was not entirely empty. In much the same way that the fragrance of perfume lingers in an empty bottle, so did a divine presence remain behind in primordial space. Once this space existing outside and separate from the Ainsof was established, the second act of creation began to take place. The first act of creation was an act of limitation, the second that of emanation. At this time the Ainsof rayed out a single beam of light to form the first configuration ever fashioned, the body of Adam Cadmon, the primordial man, from which there then burst forth from his eyes, nose, mouth and ears, the lights of the Sephirah of the Tree of Life, the Sephara themselves, a light concentrated from the original beam, were at this stage totally undifferentiated without the qualities presently assigned to them. In this form, they do not require special light-made bowls to contain them. The plan of creation that the Ainsaf had in mind demanded that the Sephara became differentiated and contained so that they might receive the heavily concentrated beam of light emanating from the eyes of Adam Cadmon. Since these bowls or vessels were constructed on varying mixtures of light, the heavier light streamed forth from the primordial man's eyes and were received without difficulty into the first three Sephara, Kepha, Binna and Hokmar. When it came time to fill the bowls of the lower Sephara, the light suddenly burst forth with such intensity that it broke the vessels designed to contain them. The light which composed the vessels themselves shattered into sparks and fell into the realm of the demonic clip-off or shells, the evil powers created out of the residual waste. Everything fell into a state of chaos. The divine machinery came to a stop and a new blast of light issued forth from the Ainsof. This light then burst forth from the forehead of Adam Cadmon to stop the chaos. So, instead of the original plan, therefore, according to which the whole of creation would have been illuminated by the light of the Ainsof, now only certain portions of it are lit by the sparks, and other portions are left in total darkness. This darkness is the realm of the shelves, the evil in creation, which would have been redeemed if all had gone as planned. Instead, the sparks which fell into the darkness became ensnared by the shells. This mingling of the sparks led to the present reality where there is no evil which does not contain some good, no good which does not contain some evil. It is at this point, the point where the Ainsoft streams forth again, that the Sephara begins the work required of what the Tikkun, T-I-K-U-N, the restoration. The only way in which the sparks may be retrieved from the dark realm of the shells is by the work of the Tikkun, part of which is undertaken by God. But the restoration of the original order becomes complicated by the fall of Adam in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
all the souls that were ever to exist existed in Adam's soul, and after the fall his size was diminished to the size of man. His soul was exiled from his body, so too are our souls in a state of exile. They are the sparks hidden in the darkness of the shells. The recovery of the original unity cannot come about without the aid of man, for which purpose he was created and sent down into the place of the shells, which is our world. The restoration of the original unity is a collective venture. Everyone must set out to accomplish for him or herself, for the restoration of his exiled soul is his own responsibility. The freedom of choice or free will is born of the Godhead's self-inflicted suffering and the redemption of the broken world and the renunciation of divinity becomes the overriding goal of humanity. The Hasidic movement made the Kabbalah more accessible. Today's Kabbalists are the heirs to the sacred holy knowledge of creation and life. Israel Belshem Tov, also known as the Belshem Tov, transformed the complexity of the early chariot riders into a simple way of the heart. The tree of life gives us a blueprint of creation of life and love in everyday existence. You can study it all your life and never truly understand its mysteries. But if you stand by its tenets and contemplate Tifereth, which is the heart centre, you can transform yourself and humanity into a better person. The key to it is let go of the ego. Love your fellow man as you would love your brother. Give of yourself and not take. Be of service to humanity. Defend the weak, the innocent and the persecuted. Heal the sick and recognise that everything in creation, everything is connected, everything is one from the one source of life itself, which is God. Music